for the past few weeks, um, I have shared with you my journey and my uh, devotions that I have been in study with, and we have been looking at the I am statements, and today we'll look at another one. The I am statements have history in the Old Testament, encounters with God where people have questioned, are you really God? How do I know that it's you? Can you perform this sign so I can know? And God's response is, it is me. I am. I am the one you are looking for. I am the one that you think I am. I am. No more words are needed than this phrase, I am. Because there are no words that can do justice who God is. And that is part of our journey of faith. He is. He is the I am. And how we respond to that is all up to us. I am statements are declarations of power and authority, and they're declarations of what you stand for, what I stand for, who I'm talking to, and who, what they stand for. What would your I am statement be? There are seven in the Gospel of John. I am the bread of life. I am the light of the world. I am the door or the sheep gate the good shepherd, the life and the resurrection. I am dot, dot, dot. What would your I am statement be? Turn to your neighbor and tell them what you would hope your I am statement is. What you think you would say for I am Filipina, I am short, I am whatever it is, who you are and what you stand for. Your I am. You just told somebody else. But would your best friend or somebody that you know repeat that about you of their own volition? Would that match up with something that you would have said? Sometimes it's true and sometimes it's false. Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. According to the Gospel of John, at this point when Jesus said this, he has done so many miracles. He has made people walk. He has walked on water. He has fed the multitude. He has given sight to, to blind men. He has stopped women from being stoned. He has engaged in relationships with people who he shouldn't have. Until this point, we're starting to get the tension really high. Jesus is foretelling his death. He's foretelling his denials. He's foretelling his betrayals. At this point in the Gospel of John, we're getting to the high tension. We know what's happening next. Jesus is about to have Passover feast and wash some feet. If you're here with us on Easter, you know this is typically the beginning of every Easter sermon. We start with this Passover meal. I invite you to open up your Bibles to the book of John, and we will be in chapter 14, looking at this I am statement. Whatever device you have, there's a book in front of you in your pew. Open it up. Chapter 14 of the Gospel of John begins this way, verse 1. Do not let your hearts be troubled. 
Believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house there are many dwelling places. If it were not so, would I have told you that? I'm going to go prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and I will take you with me, myself, so that where I am, there you may also be. And you know the way to the place where I am going. But Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you are going. How can we even know the way? Jesus said to him, I am the way. I'm the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you know me, you will know the Father also. From now on, you do know him, and you have seen him. You do know him, and you have seen him. Do you believe that? Are there moments in your life that you can reflect on when you didn't believe that? Where was God? Have I seen him lately? At work, when things are trouble, at the, in home, when your relationships are not so squared away? In any place that you go, I think there are often times in our lives where we, we have the highs and we have the lows. Where has God been? There's trouble, but chapter 14 begins, do not let your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Jesus knew this would be something that we would have a hard time grasping. He could see it in the faces of his disciples. And time and time again, we know this, the disciples failed to see, failed to hear, failed to do. But do not let your hearts be troubled. Believe in God, also in me. In my Father's house, there are many dwelling places. If it were not so, would I have told you that, that I go to prepare a place for you? Last week at VBS, it was so fun to see all of the kids singing some of these throwback, well, I would say throwback, throwback tunes. And you'd see all of the little motions happening, and one of the ones that stood out was soon and very soon. You know the rest. That's right. We're going to see the king. And so these motions for the little kids, and I loved it, and I'm just going to fake demonstrate this for you because I just it, it makes me giggle just a little bit. So they say soon and very soon and they walk like they're they're strutting along and they're going to go. Soon and very soon we are going to see the king. And the kids they they sing it really loud and they have all these claps and different things and it's it's going great and I just love watching the little kids faces when these songs come on. So as the rotations are moving through our church campus last week, I have encouraged our counselors to never have a dull moment with these kids who are participating. Ask them what their favorite movie is, what their favorite color is, what their favorite hobby is. Make sure that there is, there is minimal time where they're just standing in line or they're just waiting. We want every moment here on this campus to be positive, to be fun, and to be joyful so that in the name of church and in the name of Jesus, they have these positive experiences. And so as I was walking by, I heard one of the counselors say, okay, which one is your favorite song? A little girl says, oh, I know, I know, the, this one. And, and they go, oh, soon and very soon. Yeah, soon and very soon. And so I, I waited to see. I stepped closer. And the little, the little girl says, yeah, let's all do it. And so they're doing it. And then one of the kids over here goes, 
that song? But how soon? How soon? And I, I like almost gasped, but I also wanted to hear what was said. Counselor did a great job. It's just like, let's just keep singing. And so they kept singing. It was great. It was great. But in that moment, I listened and I watched. And this little child who is in about third grade, third or fourth grade, has captured the essence of something so profound. We sing this song and we are so excited and soon and very soon we are going to see the king. But how soon, this little girl asks. Sometimes do we have a hard time believing that Jesus has prepared a place for us? Not because it's not a great idea, but how soon. Jesus has prepared a place for you so that wherever he is, we may be also. Jesus had one goal when he came to earth. He wanted the people of this planet to be reconciled back to God. That in every interaction and in every ministry moment and in every miracle that he participated in, people would see that God is for us that Jesus has a plan for us. Jesus gives us access to this mighty God. Jesus has prepared a place for you so that we could be reconciled back to God, to give us the opportunities to see that faith is about relationship and not about coming here and checking off the box that you went to church each week. Not about a list of rules of things you can and cannot do. The beauty of the gospel is that each and every day we get to wake up and we get to access this Jesus. We get to experience him firsthand because he is alive. We get to understand the mighty power of God through access in Jesus. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for opening our eyes to something so beautiful. We don't deserve any of this. And that's beautiful because we get all of it. This is the kind of God that has created you and me and this is the kind of God that wants to be in our lives. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If we read on, it'll give us a little bit more context. In verse eight, Philip says to him, Jesus, Lord, show us the Father, and we will be satisfied. And Jesus says to him, have I been with you all this time, Philip, and you still do not know me? Who has ever seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Do you not believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? The words that I say to you, I do not speak on my own, but the Father who dwells in me does his works. Believe me that I am the Father and the Father is in me. Oh. Very truly I tell you, the one who believes in me will also do the works that I do and in fact will do greater works than these because I am going to the Father. I will do whatever you ask in my name so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If in my name you ask me for anything, I will do it. I am the way, the truth, and the life. I think some of us, though, are still asking if we can see the Father. 
Can we see that you are present? Can we see that you are alive? Can I see, Jesus, that this thing that you are calling me to is worth it? I think we oftentimes spend lifetimes attending churches and learning and knowing about Jesus and struggling to have a personal meeting and encounter with him. Over the past few weeks, I've had a number of conversations that boil down to a single question. As a millennial, how come you are still in the church, let alone a pastor in the church? My answer is simple. And it's because I encounter Jesus, and it's magnificent. Jesus has done wonderful things in my life that I have no explanation for. Jesus has prepared a place for me and for you. And when I can finally wrap my head around that idea, and I can't, but when I start to, I'm at a loss for words. Jesus changes things. Last week, we had over 100 kids, over 60 volunteers, families, and tons of babies on this campus. And there were moments over the course of that week where I was less than pleasant. And there were times where I had to remember this saying that a few of us encountered at a conference a number of months ago. We heard a speaker tell us it was hard for him to hang on to this statement, but it was worth it. He says, can you really say that I am a child of God, I am well loved, and he is pleased with me? Do we believe it, or are we still looking for the Father? There's nothing that we can do to earn that grace. And the relationship that God wants with us is that we acknowledge that we are his children, that he loves us, we are his beloved, and he is pleased with us. So in those moments where, when I was less than pleasing last week, this is what popped into my head. And I was like, he loved me until that moment right there. He loved me until I had that interaction with a parent, with a volunteer, with a little child. Just until that moment. In one of these conversations I had about why I'm a believer, the person sitting across from me paralleled their faith journey with that of a journey of quitting smoking. They said, I always try to do better. I always try to have a better prayer life, a better devotional life. I try to go to church more often, and I set decent and realistic goals, and they keep growing each time. Each time gets a little bit better and a little bit better, and I become a good Christian for a little bit longer and a little bit longer, and maybe eventually one day I'll get there. I said, or maybe one day you'll give up. Because those are not the things that equal a good Christian faith. Those are the things that help you encounter the God who gives you this faith. Transformation is not about you. Transformation is about God. And so it is my plea with each and every one of us 
that we access this Jesus who is not the giver of bread, he is bread. He's not the giver of light, he is light. And that when we are in relationship with this Jesus, we get access to a world we can never imagine. We get power like we could never imagine, and not for our glory, but for his. So you told your friend sitting next to you, your neighbor sitting next to you, what your I am statement would be. Now you're going to tell them what their I am statement is. So turn to a person and tell them, you are a child of God. And then turn to a different person and tell them, you are loved by God. And turn to an even third person and tell them, God is pleased with you. And it's a weird thing to experience because we're not used to doing it. And that's a little bit of a shame on us. That's a little bit of a shame on us. It should be so easy to tell somebody that they are a child of God, that God loves them, and that God is pleased with them. But it's weird. But we're ready to do it. But a second layer and a second hard part comes when we acknowledge that in ourselves. So now we're going to do this collectively about ourselves, because the more you speak it into existence, maybe the more you believe it. The more practice we have saying these words, maybe the more readily accessible they will be. In the same way we know stop saying those swear words because one day it's just gonna come out in the space that you don't want it to. Well, maybe if we said more positive things, it will come out more often than we anticipate. Maybe that might do something a little bit differently. So my friends and my family of Bonita, let us say, I am a child of God. I am God's beloved. And God is pleased with me. We are about capturing the hearts and the imaginations of people in this community. You have seen it on your bulletins. It is the new language we are using here. We want to be a new church for a new future so that people who have been sitting in these pews for years can be awakened. We as a church, as your pastoral staff, have been seeing these little glimpses of life-changing moments that God is authoring. And so when we make these claims about worship being life, about moving boldly where the Holy Spirit leads, about connecting deeply with each other, not just knowing your name, though it's a start, but deeply connecting where you want to be in sacrificial relationship with others, where you know that everybody matters because each and every person is a child of God, and that our faith story would not be the same without each other's presence. When we say these things, it's because we have moments like this baptism that have been inspired after years and years of sitting in these pews. We know what we're looking for, church. We want more of this. We want more of that. So maybe it's you, or maybe it's a friend that you need to bring here, but we are after the hearts and imaginations because we are centered in this I am, the way, the truth, and the life. So my last question as I invite the praise band back forward is, are you living by the way? Are you living by the truth? Are you living by this life that is founded in Jesus? 
Or are you living, mm, by the way, mm, by the way, I'm a Christian. Mm, by the way, I'm a follower of Jesus. And oftentimes it's, by the way, mom, can you sign this test because I failed? Mm, by the way, can I get some more money because I spent it all? Mm, by the way, I'm going to be late to work. Mm, and we have these by the ways where we skirt around all of these things. By the way, I happen to be a Christian is not good enough. We need to be living by the way with a confidence, with an assurance that we are in relationship with this God. And it's not just some side, mm, by the way. You are a child of God. You are his beloved, and he is pleased with you. Amen.